This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Vladimir Zelensky, Ukraine's president, held talks with the leaders of America, France and Turkey amid heavy fighting in his country's east. Mr. Zelensky promised important results from several international meetings planned in the coming week. Meanwhile, Ukraine claimed to have struck a headquarters of Wagner, a Russian mercenary outfit. Russian forces bombarded the southern port city of Odessa, leaving some 1.5 million people without power. Scientists in America reportedly achieved a net energy gain from nuclear fusion. Fusion reactions, including those that fire the sun, can generate huge amounts of energy without emitting either carbon or long-lasting radioactive waste. Until now, artificial fusion reactions have consumed more energy than they produced. America's Energy Department said it would provide more details of the major scientific breakthrough on Tuesday. China said it will abolish its mobile COVID tracking service as it continues to dismantle its zero-COVID machine. The itinerary card app was used to monitor and regulate people's travel. Official reported cases have dropped significantly, apparently because mass testing has been rolled back. Health experts and media reports suggest that COVID is spreading rapidly, especially in Beijing, where long queues have formed at hospitals. Peru's new president, Dina Buluate, said she would submit plans to Congress to bring forward elections, following protests demanding her resignation. Demonstrations have rocked Peru since Pedro Castillo, who was president until last week, was arrested after a bungled coup attempt on Wednesday. Supporters of Mr. Castillo have called Ms. Buluate, who was his vice president, a traitor. Iran executed a young man on Monday for his role in ongoing anti-government protests, having executed another on Thursday. Majid Reza Ranavad was hanged after being accused of waging war against God and killing two members of the country's security forces. According to a human rights group, 488 protesters have been killed, as have 62 members of the security forces. Serbia's president, Aleksandr Vucic, gathered his national security team to discuss unrest in northern Kosovo. Ethnic Serbs living there, outraged by a mandate to replace their Serbian number plates with Kosovo's, clashed with Kosovar police over the weekend. Mr Vucic said that the deployment of police violated peace agreements. Both sides said they will ask NATO's local peacekeeping force to intervene. Amgen, an American biotech company, was reported to be on the verge of buying Horizon Therapeutics. After arrival, the French firm Sanofi dropped its bid. The deal, valued at about $22 billion, would give Amgen access to Horizon's roster of drugs for autoimmune and inflammatory diseases. It would be one of the biggest transactions in the pharmaceutical industry this year. And fact of the day. $56 billion. The projected value in 2030 of the global market for webtoons, a type of South Korean cartoon. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. 
The EU's strenuous series of summits. Ukraine will once again focus the minds of the EU's 27 foreign ministers as they gather in Brussels on Monday. National leaders will also convene later in the week. The bloc is looking to adopt its ninth sanctions package against Russia, adding nearly 200 individuals and three banks to its blacklist. It also wants to send 18 billion euro. $19 billion in financial aid to Ukraine. This may prove tricky. Both the sanctions and the aid require the unanimous approval of EU governments, but Hungary and its autocratic prime minister, Viktor Orban, have threatened to veto both dossiers unless Brussels releases billions of euros in funding earmarked for Hungary. The EU is holding back over concerns around corruption and the independence of the judiciary. The week will be spent trying to cajole Mr. Orban into the deal, or finding a way to sidestep Hungary, such as by adopting the measures multilaterally. In either case, the summits could quickly turn hot-tempered. India's largest winemaker goes public. India is hardly wine country, in most places, intense heat hinders production. Many of the country's states limit or prohibit the sale of alcohol. And where it is allowed, Indians prefer the harder stuff of whiskey and country liquor. But a growing affluent class is acquiring a taste for wine. Over the next three years, the value of India's wine sales, currently worth $160 million, is expected to grow by 23% annually. Much of that is down to Sula Vineyards, which launches on Mumbai's stock market, the BSE, at a valuation of $353 million on Monday. It established its vineyards in 1999 in Nashik, 160 kilometers northeast of Mumbai, and has combined clever marketing, which includes running an annual dance music festival with sweeter-than-mainstream wines that cater to local tastes. Other vineyards have followed. But Sula still holds more than half the domestic market. Despite turbulence in financial markets that has caused recent IPOs in India to flop, Sula's owners are hoping that investors will nonetheless take a swig. Mexico's president goes after the electoral body. A controversial electoral reform package which in mid-November sparked the biggest protests since Andrés Manuel López Obrador became president in 2018, will this week be debated, and perhaps passed, by Mexico's Senate. The reform, which the lower house rushed through last week, would undermine Mexico's electoral authority, INE, cutting its budget and weakening its ability to punish breaches of electoral law. Rules on campaigning and propaganda by public servants would also be loosened. Even though Mr. López Obrador had to water down his initial constitutional reform, for lack of the necessary two-thirds majority in Parliament, he would see any strike at the INE as a win. He has long alleged, against all evidence, that he lost elections in 2006 and 2012 because the body endorsed fraudulent results. But the reform would be a loss for Mexico. 
The authoritarian rule of the Institutional Revolutionary Party ended in 2000, after seven decades, thanks to the electoral framework painstakingly built during Mexico's transition to democracy. Britain's Cranky Labor Force Britain's weary of the train strikes that have uprooted their daily routines since June will have no holiday respite. The RMT, a trade union representing the country's transport workers, plans five more work stoppages over the next month. The RMT's members are unlikely to accept the latest pay offer from their bosses in a ballot that ends on Monday. The union has encouraged them to reject the deal. Labor unrest is seeping across Britain. Nurses will undertake their largest ever strike on December 15th and December 20th. Midwives will decide on Monday whether to hold their own walkout. Some civil servants, some baggage handlers at Heathrow Airport and Eurostar security staff also stop work this week. December is on track to become Britain's most disrupted month since 1989. Double-digit inflation is largely the culprit as workers battle for larger pay increases to keep pace with the cost of living, as the economy as a whole also slows down. Homage to an Age-Old Tale This week, a tribute to Beauty and the Beast, Disney's animated film of 1991, will be shown on ABC and Disney+. It will feature clips from the musical, showing off its sumptuous blend of hand-drawn and digital art, and tunes performed by an all-star cast. The film's best-known song declares the story to be a tale as old as time. It is indeed rather old. A version may have existed in oral form 4,000 years ago. In 1740, Gabriel Suzanne de Villeneuve, a French novelist, penned a long account of a reclusive beast and the young woman who falls in love with him. Sixteen years later, Jean-Marie Le Ponce de Beaumont turned that work into a short fairy tale. Since then, it has been adapted into umpteen films. Disney even released a live-action remake starring actors in 2017, as well as operas and plays. Its themes of prejudice, outward appearances, and female independence have resonated through the ages. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown three winners on Saturday. Monday. Which Alexander Dumas story focuses on the wrongly imprisoned Edmund Dantes. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Gustave Flaubert, who was born on this day in 1821. What is beautiful is moral. That is all there is to it. That's the World in Brief from The Economist. Available three times every day of the week. 
You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.